Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to the NXT Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamflet and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT, The Great American Bash. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review NXT, but also Raw, SmackDown, AW Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Tidgwick to review the Great American Bash, which was a lot better than last year, Hamlet. Yeah, really like this. Um, I would say what we saw here was the peak of um, NXT's abilities within the Capital Wrestling Center. This was not like an all-time great show, but it was the best end-to-end thing NXT has done since Halloween Havoc, which says a lot about their ability to build to TV specials more than takeovers mm. under pandemic conditions, which I think is quite interesting. Um, but yeah, this was absolutely the best of what NXT is able to do without traditional crowds. And it's nice that they found this ahead of actually getting back to normal. Feels like there's a chance that we might go out on this pretty minging era for NXT on something of a high. Um, it set lofty expectations. We were all very positive in the preview and hopeful. And it met them, and that's often pretty tough in wrestling. So, like, yeah, uh, a real success, all of this. For the first time since October 2019, I'm going to say the following. I really hope this show pops a rating. Now that it's not spitefully there to siphon away viewers and undermine AEW, which is much needed um, in the pro wrestling landscape for a whole host of reasons, I really hope this pops a rating. There are so many disillusioned WWE fans. It's reflected in the conversations. It's reflected in the ratings. It's reflected in the fact that there are actually very few conversations. There are still people who want it to be good. I'm of the opinion that it can't be. There are still people who, I don't know how they do this, but they'll see something like AEW and they'll look at the format and they will see, right, okay, every main event is established in advance Nothing is set up on the show, creating this ridiculous plot hole that just makes it so obvious that it's fake. There are some people who still see something in this format of the way WWE produces television. And I think NXT over the past four weeks has definitely almost perfected an imperfect, illogical way of doing TV. And if you don't like Raw and people are on my mentions every single Tuesday morning telling me that they can't stand it anymore. Watch this. Mm. Nobody else is. If you can sanction WWE with its various things, the commentary tropes, the layouts, like, watch this. It's getting really good, dot, 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 for WWE. <laughs> uh, let's dive straight into it then. Really enjoyed this show, uh, despite certain results, which we will, of course, get into, although I think we anticipated some of them. Uh, on the preview yesterday, we had a, an opening. Uh, Dusty Rhodes's epic voice uh, welcoming us to the Great American Bash. And then we see they've actually bothered to do something rather than just, you know, put a sticker on an American flag and park some cars there. Uh, we got red, white and blue ropes, of course. Uh, and the Statue of Liberty and the show opens with what? Follow this. MSK versus Champer and Thatcher for the NXT Tag Team titles. As you said, Hamplet, not just for this show, but for this match, we had very high expectations. Uh, did it live up to it for you? Yes, absolutely it did. Um, it wasn't... I don't think it was quite on the level of the takeover match that I mentioned yesterday, uh, the the Dusty Cup final. Like, I thought that was marginally better than it, but for what this was, excellent. Just excellent. Like They, they hit 
what I was hoping for, which was for that last final third to feel frenzied, to completely buy in to pinfalls because titles matter again, because tag team wrestling matters a little bit again in NXT. And they captured that. They gave me those feelings that DIY and American Alpha and the Revival used to be able to do on a near weekly basis. Um, I thought this was a real mature performance from MSK. Um, not quite as flashy, maybe, as what we've seen from them in NXT. Slightly scaled back compared to normal, but in a very psychologically sound way. In a way where they've come up against Thatcher and Champa, and Thatcher and Champa have tried to grind them down a little bit and ground them. And I think it would have betrayed the psychology of that if they suddenly went wild towards the end. Like, right up to the finish as well. Mm. I sense, I haven't actually like checked on Twitter this morning. I sense that maybe would have divided a few because unfortunately, and I think again, this like we talk mainly about this on Dynamite than we do on any WWE product. WWE has trained a lot of fans to not like certain things. Small packages are as effective and as fair and as reasonable a way to win a match, win a match as anything else. There was once upon a time where a small package was, if nothing else, a way to outsmart your opponent as well as out-wrestle them. And I thought that was a really neat way for MSK to win this as a, just a way to pay off the story that they kind of, Champer and Thatcher forced them to prove themselves as wrestlers rather than just like flippy merchants or like young punks that maybe didn't deserve the spot. So I thought it was like a really neat way to tie this up rather than going for some big climactic moment. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, before we get your thoughts on it, Sage, I'll run through what happened. Uh, we often talk when we're talking about MSK, and it's nothing against him, but we often talk a lot more about Wesley. But I feel like Nash Carter deserves a major mention uh, for this match, especially early on. He's just running wild, springboard to the outside, and a lovely spot where Timothy Thatcher dives in front of the world, shoves Champer out of the way, I should say, uh, to take the bullet effectively uh, from Nash Carter. But that allows Champer to take out Carter with a huge lariat uh, to take control. Uh, there's a more miscommunication later on in the match between Champer and Thatcher. Thatcher hits Champer with an uppercut by mistake. Uh, Champer goes down. Thatcher gets hit with a super kick. And then Lee goes for some mad flippy bollocks and gets nailed by Champa with a shotgun drop kick. Uh, there was a near fall in there from a Project Champa. There was uh, an attempt at a super air raid crash that, um, again, Nashcar just looked amazing this match. Counters. Uh, they double team Champa. They hit him with a swanton bomb and a corkscrew sent on for a two count. Uh, Champa hits an assisted fairy tale ending on Wesley. Uh, Thatcher puts the uh, ankle lock on Carter. But uh, Carter makes it back in, escapes, gets in there. And Wesley gets that small package, as, as Hamlet mentioned, on Timothy Thatcher to get the one, two, three. On paper, as Hamlet alluded to, Sige, a surprise small package roll-up victory makes you go, oh, bloody hell. But, yeah, great way to deliver a finish to this match and make me think, well, I'd absolutely see, love to see this run back. Yeah, that was my exact thought. This is everything I wanted it to be, minus five minutes, but I suspect I'm going to get those five minutes again. Um, a few teasers of um, the potential end of the champ of Thatcher mm -hmm. tag team. I don't know if it was just put there for spots or if it was to foreshadow anything. That was a little bit frightening just because I'm massively into the act. But I have to agree, the finish has been cannibalised and it's sort of synonymous with a get-out rather than a smart Totally logical and meaningful way to end a match. Um, what was so good about this is that if you can build a match effectively enough and work it effectively enough, like a sort of a magic happens where matches that you are uh, moves, sorry, that you are ordinarily wired to just anticipate a near fall and not a finish, suddenly become a match ender because of the way you've built the match and that project champ a near fall was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm of the opinion that Wesley is one of the very best pro wrestlers in that company. He's not just this incredible athlete, but his selling's immaculate. Like when Thatcher was drilling his elbow into his back, like I genuinely felt his pain. Um, they're such a well-rounded act, MSK. This is such a well-built match. I just desperately wanted five more minutes of it. Um, but again, I suspect that surely that is going to be the case at some point. A perfect first match. If not, in, if not like a perfect match in itself. Just give us five more minutes. I was bang into it. Yeah, great, great opening to start the show. And that was followed up with the face-to-face uh, -face between NXT champion Karrion Cross and Johnny Gargano. Gargano claiming that Cross is scared to face him. 
Uh, he's been battering you for the last few weeks, but OK. Um, and then uh, Regal, flanked by Samoa Joe, announces that next week on NXT, we are going to get an NXT championship match. Uh, Cross talked about having goals, three goals, uh, when he wakes up every morning. Never to lose the NXT championship. Uh, main event in WrestleMania and become WWE champion. And he negged Gargano saying, what, what, what do you do when you get up every morning? Put on your wife's jeans talks about nerd stuff, says this isn't a cartoon, this is real life. Uh, and Regal basically just says, all right, enough of all that. Um, he says, next week, yes, there is going to be a championship match. Not only that, but I know what you like. So we're going to have a special guest referee, Samoa Joe. It's happening. You pop from the crowd. Uh, Gargano says, oh, it's funny you mentioned my wife there because you're not fit to lace her boots. Zinger back by Johnny Gargano. Cross obviously is infuriated by this, goes to get his hands on Gargano ahead of next week. Uh, but Samoa Joe stands in his way and the two of them stare down as the segment ends. Good little build for next week, I thought. Uh, I, this was better than it had any right to be. The actual dynamic is fundamentally flawed for mm. reasons we've explored quite a lot. So when Johnny Gargano says, you know that match I lost... You were scared of me in there. You know, that match <laughs> where you beat four of the guys effectively. You were a little bit scared of my technical prowess. Like that isn't going to carry any weight to me. And um, I understand they have to highlight how good Johnny Wrestling is at wrestling to make you believe he's got a chance. But if the dialogue didn't make you think he's got a chance, the add-ons almost certainly did. Mm. Carrying Cross making explicit these main roster aspirations and the fact that he's getting sort of plucked out of the machine and into um, a new part of it was very much an, oh, they are giving me the impression that this is a potential write-out. They are preparing me for this to be a potential write-out. And I thought that was quite savvy. Obviously, the Samoa Joe element, look, in this context, it works. The context is they want you to buy a finish, right? I hate the special guest referee. I hate it it's a fundamentally stupid thing i know referees are stupid but why would you put someone unqualified for the spot in it i hate it stupid stupid residual attitude era rubbish you know for a fact it's going to inform the finish and yet i would rather have dust doubt cast over the finish via some rubbish and totally time-worn mechanism rather than just go into it thinking oh well so probably three and a quarter stars if Johnny's got his working boots on. Hmm. They are adding drama to it, and I commend them, even if it's a little bit trite. Yeah, doubt was... I think they kind of probably realised after last week, doubt in the result was all that they could really get in terms of finding drama in this match. They've lost the argument when it comes to trying to work out who the heel and who the baby face is. Um, you know, they're in a venue where that crowd kind of just make up its own mind and doesn't make that much noise regardless. So you're probably just like, I don't think it'll damage the viewing experience of this as much as it would say in front of a full venue, like the confusing dynamics about who's a heel and who's a baby face, but they've lent here on the doubt with the result. That line. Yeah. About the main roster was key. I think because that's what like they know their audience and they know their audience are kind of leaning on that as a, to justify the cross loss potentially. Um, I, I quite liked that they went to the trouble like they had the cake and ate it too a little bit, but they went to the trouble of Gargano saying, You couldn't lace my wife's boots because I that's going to annoy carrying cross, but it's a shoot too. Yeah, <laughs> it's sort of like, Oh, you're wearing your wife's jeans, it's all like incredibly passe. It's it's like one, it's barely a level up from you dress like a girl. Nobody would say that anymore because it's a ridiculous line in 2021. And Gargano firing back, A, in defense of his wife, but B, with a comment that probably most people watching agree with. Yeah, was pretty, was pretty cool as well. So I thought they're like, they, they, like did well to drop that line in to then use it against Karrion Cross. Um, doubt doubt is what they've established. I genuinely don't know who's going to win a TV NXT Championship match next week, and they've done the best they can with that. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm not in not into anything about this match other than the result because I don't know who's going to win. <laughs> Two things. I like the idea of uh, someone asked on the news this morning, oh, who do you think is eventually going to be the guy to take the title off Karrion Cross? And, we, you know, he said, presumably Gargano doesn't win. But like you say, that this this addition of Samoa Joe makes it all the more interesting. Although I would quite like uh, Samoa Joe at the start of next week's NXT to just choke Austin Theory out and go, right, that's that dealt with. <laughs> he can't get involved. <laughs> and also, uh, 
yeah, I've changed my mind. I said oh, on the news, Ricardo O'Reilly, change of plan. Candice LeRae, that's who should be carrying <laughs> across with the NXT Championship. Uh, following on from that, we got a uh, vignette from uh, the Cruiserweight Champion, Kushida, talking about his, his match with Ricardo O'Reilly and then the involvement, of course, of Diamond Mine uh, and swearing vengeance, effectively. And then it was time for L.A. Knight versus Cameron Grimes in the red, white and blue uh, for the Million Dollar Championship or to see if Cameron Grimes has to be LA Knight's butler. We all thought this was going to go one way, and it, it did. Um, you know, a back-and-forth match, uh, understandably, early on. Grimes he's just min- hits that run- one-man running Spanish fly all the time uh, to take both of them out at one point during the match. Uh, Grimes skins the cat, then gets caught in a torture rack and a face buster for a two-count, uh, then gets hit with a superplex for another two-count. Knight jumps out the ring, grabs that million-dollar belt. He's going to use it, but the ref takes it from him. Grimes rolls him up. Knight reverses it and gets a handful of tights for a, a near a near fall there and uh, then hits him with a... Oh, sorry, then Knight gets hit with a poison runner for a two-count for Grimes. They spill to the outside, and LA Knight gives Grimes a DDT, not only on the outside but onto the title belt, which he then shoves under the ring so the referee can't see it. They tease that Grimes is just going to lose via count out. He dies back in just before the count of 10. He's not on steady legs, though, and that allows uh, LA Knight to hit him with his finisher, the BFT, I believe it's called. One, two, three. LA Knight retains the million-dollar title. And Michael Hamplett, poor Cameron Grimes, although the pat is going to be mint, has to be his butler. I hope the pat's mint. I'm worried it's just going to be just fine rather than mint. But like, I hope it's going to be mint. I like this more than the ladder match. Um, It was not the most psychologically sound of matches. It played a little bit like when you start a match on a game and you start, you both start with five finishes. So you just like, you you like sort of briefly dazzle somebody with a punch and then hit the Stone Cold Stunner straight away. (laughs) Like the the deployment of like, like a near burning hammer and a poison rana like felt like really out of place. And there was a few more of them as well on, on a smaller scale. It was just like, we've got them, let's use them. Mm. Um, so they were kind of cheating in that respect. But like considering the components, I think it was to the betterment of the overall viewing experience. Like I didn't have a lot of faith that like Ellie Knight and Cameron Grimes could have an entertaining straight wrestling match. And they did. Um, it didn't like outstay its welcome, which with a relatively short opening match and then this short match, I was getting a bit of a panic about Cole and O'Reilly at this point because I thought, oh, this is, like a couple of minutes off yeah. what I thought. Oh, crap. This was where I started to get a bit nervy about it. Didn't need to worry about that in the end. Um, but yeah, like got got this just about right. Like I think genuinely, and like not so much Cameron Grimes, because we've seen that he can do it against a lot of people. Um, but LA Knight specifically, this is probably going to be one of the best LA Knight matches you're ever going to get in NXT. Um, it was dramatic and it was tense around a relatively silly finish i thought they came up with quite a unique way for him to win like what a little bastard he was like the way that that like million dollar title was just nestled virtually under the little like ring apron and like the way he did it was just particularly cheap which i enjoyed um the big moves were too big that would be a criticism ordinarily but it wasn't here because they needed it they needed these shortcuts the finish helped enormously and that's what counts the most Come in complete agreement. This just felt like there was knee story to it whatsoever. Just some moves were getting exchanged. And some of LA Knight's power moves look good. Um, helped enormously again by Cameron Grimes selling them as only he can. Um, but I thought the finish was really smart. Not only was it quite... was it Obviously, it's not organic. Nothing is in pro wrestling. But it was made to look organic and natural and something that could feasibly happen, um, which is the main thing. And Cameron Grimes... Like needs to cite New Japan Pro Wrestling because that trope that they do far too often in New Japan, where they go in at nineteen, like I haven't seen a, as good as one of that in the best wrestling promotion over the past decade. Unbelievable timing from Cameron Grimes could not have it almost makes me a little less apprehensive about the storyline to come because they protected the hell out of them in the best possible definition of that word. An unbelievable moment of timing. Mm. The fact that he did it having been drop face first onto a plate of metal, maybe illogical, who cares? The timing of that spot was so great. And it just made it a little bit more heartbreaking that he was eventually done like two seconds later. Um, really good finish. Some cool moves <laughs> with the Z. <laughs> and we will preview 
the next direction next week. Mm. Cheers to us. Uh, next up, uh, we saw... <laughs> I was listening. I was listening because I completely agree on that on that nine count. It was great. Um, Raquel Gonzalez, Dakota Kai, they're backstage. They are moaning about the fact that they are not involved in the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match and they blame uh, Ember Moon and that troll, I think they called her, Shotzi Blackheart. They're going to get revenge on them, basically. And then we saw the uh, entrance for the NXT Breakout Tournament and they are... Trey Baxter, Carmelo Hayes, Andre Chase, Josh Briggs, Ikemen Giro, is that right? Yes. Nailed it. Uh, Joe Gacy, Odyssey Jones and Duke Hudson is going to start next Tuesday with Giro versus Hudson. I do do like this because obviously you're going to some of them you've already seen, obviously, on NXT and some of them are just obviously being introduced via the breakout tournament. Um, and the I, I do feel a bit sorry for the, for the guys producing the graphics in NXT because after a while they they'd used up like, you know, High Flyer or Vicious. And one of them just they just wrote. Suave, I suppose. Like, I'd love that. The thing about this, right, is the exact same thing's going to happen. There are too many new names to remember at once, right? And I know I have a go at the goldfishes, but I am going to get confused by this. So I'll hold my hands up. Um, because of the way the independent scene has sort of been killed off almost for the past 18 months. And even before that, it was the boom had very much deflated because AEW had subsumed it. These aren't quite absolute must-see brand new megastars. Look at the gif on this bastard. So there's that element working against it. There's the fact that the people who did get a little bit of buzz have been now renamed. So now you're trying to match up the names and look for all those reasons, debuting eight guys at once in effect not a great idea. It kind of reduces them as well. It's like starry-eyed dreamers is working for the shot. Like introduce them one at a time without saying that they dreamed of being in WWE from a young age hmm. and they might resonate better. It didn't work the first time. I think it's got let this breakout deal. I think it's got less of a chance of working now because there was some real big, like potentially amazing names in that first breakout. Um, so, yeah, it's just, I don't think it's a very good idea to do this at all. It wasn't a very good idea the first time, but happily, a few names from that those first breakout tournaments, they didn't want it to. Two, I think. Mm. Really well, some of them the got last, over. The last one, yeah. Some of them got over. Some of them I really like now. So that'll probably happen eventually, but the eventually thing's the problem. I just, I don't, like, I'm like, fine, do a breakout tournament. It, like, adds a bit of purpose to some otherwise meaningless TV matches with some people we don't really know or haven't heard of. I just don't like this presentation. I don't like WWE's obsessing with this presentation. I didn't like it when you had the Cruiserweight Classic guys. You've got frigging Kurt Rabushi and Zack Sabre Jr. on your books for, like, a month, and you're bringing them in one at a time to do a pose under a purple spotlight, and then on to the next one. I didn't like it when... The friggin' UK tournament looked like a Peaky Blinders fan convention on that long stage uh, that they had. Like, I, ju- I, I don't, it doesn't get me hyped for a tournament to see all the opponents stood next to each other, almost pretending like they're not stood next to each other, almost having to stand there and be like, oh, the camera's on me now. I'll do my face. Ah, do your face. Do your face. You got six seconds. Like, they should be wanting to hit each other. You know? It's not quite um, those G1s, is it? When they're no, all, yeah. like, being snide and doing facial expressions in the background, it's all a bit tense. Like, those are class. This wasn't class. Didn't, didn't, when there's the UK tournament, didn't they put them all out on the stage and put on, decided to attack someone? Or was, have I, have I misremembered? That was, that was back, it was like the end of night one. So it was like, here's your final eight or whatever That's it was. It. Or maybe your semi-finalists. And, like, Pete Dunn was like, like, as you should do as a heel, a bit sick of it. The, the, the big presentation they did at the O2 or whatever it was for the press conference, like the, the widest shot because like there was so bloody many of them. And even then it was like still Finn Balor in the middle getting the focus because like, oh, when's he coming back? We know him. <laughs> <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's move on. Let's talk uh, about the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match. Lots of stuff to talk about that happened, not just in this match, but after this match. But before we talk about anything that happened, Michael Hamflet, it's time for Gear Watch. What did you reckon to uh, what the champs wore? So what was just tremendous about how the way we're dressed was that this was part of a slightly cheesy, slightly grabby attempt by them to appeal to Triple H and Shawn Michaels' vanity a few weeks ago. There were those images that did the rounds of them all dressed like the click. Um, Austin Theory as Diesel is one of the industry's greatest graces in 2021. Yeah. But that aside, like you ha- like someone like me, and I dare say Sidgwick too, even though the presence it was really awkward, the detail they actually went to in the game was legitimately impressive. And Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae were Razor Ramon and the 123 Kid. And the sweetest takeaway from all of this was like, so Shawn Michaels poses with Austin Theory as Diesel. Triple H gets in every single picture he can because he's like, they're, they're doing us, they're doing us. And it's like, oh, you should be carrying their bags like you carry the original lads. Like they're, but Sean Waltman, because he's the best of all these, shared Candice LeRae saying, I'm so honoured that you picked me. Like you're 10 times the worker I could ever be. And it's like, that's the indifference. There's the one that should be in the performance centre, not these mm. two stupid old Grant and Phil's. Like, <laughs> and the thing about that gear was, I just thought it was only ever going to exist for this very divisive photo shoot because the irony was they weren't even booked for in your house. Like they didn't even get on the card. Um, so it was nice that it got aired here, albeit in defeat, which I guess is payoff to when the Kid and Razor actually wore that gear. They lost um, their tag title match against the Smoking Guns when they wore that purple match and stuff. I don't think that was by design. I just think that was a cute accident. I couldn't hate the culture anymore. <laughs> uh, right, let's get, talk Sean, about- get Sean. Get Sean Walton in the performance center. Yes, oh, he's please. The one, he's, the one, he's the one that gets it. Yeah, please, God. Uh, right, let's talk about what happened in the match. Uh, back and forth again uh, early on and then we got a, a hot tag to Io Shirai who squares off with Candice LeRae and yeah, just fight forever they're just so good together they work so well um they uh they Zoe Stark and Io Shirai that is work together um Stark gets a near fall off the back of it uh, Io Shirai eventually goes up top to hit that huge moonsault that she does but uh Candice Ray's not there when she lands. Uh, instead, Candice locks her in the Gargano escape. And for those of you paying attention in the back, Indy Hartwell puts the Anaconda Vice, which is Dexter Loomis's finishing submission hold, on uh, Zoe Stark. Uh, they get out of that. Shirai again uh, goes for a moonsault. This time, Lorraine catches her and suplexes her off the rope. Spectacular spot that was. And then all the lights go out within the CWC. And that battery, that battery we've been vaguely mentioning and uh, suggested on the preview yesterday, maybe there's something related to this. Well, it finally ticks over from 99% to 100%. The uh, arena lights turn green. They follow right up to the top of the stage when who should be there? But one, Tegan Knox, so great to see her back uh, and involved in wrestling. And obviously, it's been a nightmare time for her over the past, well, I was going to say past 11 months, but the past few years, she's been so unlucky with injuries. She's there on the stage. Uh, Candice LeRae obviously is, looks like she's seen a ghost from her past because, well, she has. She's the one who, in storyline at least, injured her and took her out. Um, so she's frozen. 
Io Shirai knocks, uh, I think she knocks Indy Hartwell into Candice Ray. Regardless, Candice Ray is knocked out of the ring. Uh, suplex knee strike finisher thing that Zoe Stark's got. She is the one who covers Indy Hartwell and gets the one, two, three. We have new NXT women's tag team champions, Zoe Stark and Io Shirai. Not what we called, but a pleasant surprise. Nonetheless, uh, post-match, obviously, Candice LeRae and Tegan Knox brawl. Uh, LeRae just legs it, Knox chases after her. And not only do we get a really enjoyable match, Michael Sidgwick, but Index is still a thing. They showed it uh, after a commercial break. Dexter Loomis comes down and carries Indy Hartwell to the back. There's still a chance, Sidge. Love's possible. <laughs> you know, people think I'm a snarky twat, and they're probably right. But my God, I've genuinely got an opinion, right? That the popularity of a will-they-won't-they they romance in sitcoms and films and now wrestling is like genuinely, for me, evidence that people genuinely are quite nice. Mm. Just want to see people have happiness. They despair when it's not going to happen for them. Um, I honestly think a very good will they won't won't they romance is like restorative in some way. Maybe it's just a lame opinion of mine. This isn't Jim and Pam, but it's fun. It's a bit quirky. <laughs> it's back on. Um, I just remembered, Sitch. Can we just, if people haven't heard it, I'm not sure if you've told the story on the podcast before or not. Tell us about you watching The Office with your wife for the first time. All right, we're watching. Um, so I've seen her peak years, right? And honestly, the Jim and Pam thing is done so immaculately well that I've been reliably informed by Michael Hamlet that the rest of it, while uneven, has some belter episodes. Hmm. I stopped watching after Jim and Pam because I thought, oh, that's the appeal for me. The soul of the show kind of disappears a little bit. Um, so I'm watching it just desperate for these people to get it together. Like, love them both. It's plotted so magnificently. Um, <laughs> so finally get together. Jim makes his choice. And it's just like a wonderful, vicarious feeling just sort of overwhelms you. My wife goes, oh, Karen was fitter. <laughs> There's like, I'm, well... Obviously, I'm glad that you are only have superficial taste, Francis, because you know, <laughs> it says a lot about me. Um, but yeah, I would say just soulless, but Jesus, my God, it's Jim and Pam. It's Jim and Pam. <laughs> uh, but yes, I'm great to see. I can't believe what a difference what a year makes. I'm like, oh, thank God, Dexter Loomis is on this show. Like, it's madness. <laughs> But the uh, the match that preceded it as well was was very enjoyable. And obviously, great to see uh, great to see Tegan Knox back. I mean, yes, I will be completely terrified of watching it for the next however many months. It kind of comes to something that we didn't guess. We guessed Tegan Knox comes to something we did not say. All right, it's going to form the finish of this match mm-hmm. because so much of that period of NXT was rubbish and not vivid at all. Um, and I think maybe the crowd didn't make the connection. Oh, Christ, that's who actually wrote around storylines. Because if I remember now, they were having this feud because it was a dinner at the Gargano's and they went a bit gothy for a bit halfway oh, through. <laughs> I remember when she just ran up, Tegan knocks the baby face, just ran away out the house. After like yeah. pouring soup in her head, I wonder what it was. So hopefully NXT having improved considerably since then means this resulting feud is better than that. And the match itself it was mainly just a backdrop to the melee at the finish. So I can't really form any thoughts on it other than when they held those title belts up, Zoe Stark did not look like a champion. And I'm not talking anything about her performance. I'm talking about these weird titles that just don't have any sort of prestige to them whatsoever. Um, so that's a problem that needs to be addressed. No one can bloody Otherwise, defend them. That's half the problem. Yeah. And they've been switched around. Like they haven't been established. I gets all a bit of a mess, that picture. Um, but it was... Just a backdrop, a pretty forgettable backdrop to really nice bit of, I'm not going to say the word, but it was a bit of dovetailing book in here, which I quite enjoy. Uh, yeah, I love, now you say that about the dinner at the Gargano's thing, I love how so quickly we pivoted from one of them to getting home with the Gargano's and Johnny Gargano being like, Indy Hartwell, who's she ever beat? And then she's bought a new telly. Is that like, oh, Indy? Like, and that was like such a big turning point for the way from, oh, actually, they're getting this now so we can enjoy this. Um, this was way more nice than it was great, but nice was the defining quality of NXT's television when it was at its best six years ago. Um, lots of nice 
things happening with characters that you want to see succeed um, with stories that get to sort of reveal themselves along the way. So a nice return for Tegan Knox to try and get a, a bit of revenge against the, uh, against Candice LeRae for a match that you're going to want to watch. Um, the tag team title win for Zoe Stark and Io Shirai being a moment for Zoe Stark. This kind of like this feeling that she's on her way finally with Io Shirai, who was kindly stepped back to help her along the way, which will inform a split down the road between those two when like inevitably Zoe Stark doesn't appreciate the help that Io Shirai has given her because she's been given the win here. Again, like nice booking and nice detail. She got it done. So she can now justifiably feel in the head that she doesn't need Io Shirai perhaps as much as she really does. It's all, the, the titles are too meaningless for this, for this to register as big, but the things that they were peppering in right through to Dexter Loomis being the one Almost nice that they did that in the break, I thought, by the way, and like had to revisit it because you've got Indy Hartwell being left alone, completely abandoned by Candice LeRae and having to sell. And then it's Dexter Loomis and comes and saves the day because their love is far more real than the love between the members of the way. And that's like, that was nicely done as well, rather than just giving you everything and having uh, Dexter Loomis come out at the end. So yeah, all really good, all good signs that like they actually know what they're doing with all of these characters. Not exactly a bloody good few weeks for the Aussie wrestlers, though. Um, good luck to Rita Ripley. <laughs> Money in the bank, that's all I'll say. Uh, then we got Tony Storm uh, interview slash promo uh, talking about, you know, NXT Women's Champion Raquel Gonzalez and wanting shots and blah, blah, blah. And then when she was asked about Saray, who on last week's NXT uh, talked about potentially getting a match with her, with uh, William Regal, she said, uh, that, that's cute, but she's not on my level. I won't face her, basically. So we'll have to wait and see where that goes. And, uh, well, this is a hell of a hospital pass for, for Michael Hamflet. Then we got Hit Rose North American Championship Cypher Celebration. I thought this was fresh. What did you think, Michael Hamflet? Oh, God. Um, I didn't hate this, nor did I love it. I, I, I watched it twice and I still couldn't make my mind up. I'll tell you what I got from this, right? I felt that Hit Row, and me and Sidgwick covered this on last week's review, the, the title win was so important for the act. I was feeling this enormous gap between the legitimacy that Hit Row were projecting and what they actually had. And that title win seemed to bridge that gap. And this did that further. Yesterday, we talked about this as the, like the celebration siphon. It had that air of like putting words in the synonym generator, like AW with Chris Jericho and MJF. It's like, right, how are we going like, to reference their face off this week? You know, it was like, oh, it's a title celebration. How is it going to feel any different? And it did that. It did actually feel different. It was character-based. It was character-driven. Um, there wasn't the sense that there's going to be much in the way of afters with Bronson Reed. This was all just kind of winningly obnoxious. They're all feeling absolutely at the top of the game. And this was the way to toast that. So I, I kind of pretend that like I've magically fallen in love with the act, as a lot of people seem to do weeks and weeks ago, well before any of this. Mm. But I get them i think i get them and that's the main thing like they they're, they're starting to resonate and that's i like i don't have much to be kind about in terms of the detail of the segment but it's just a feeling and like i was sensing that a lot of people had a lot of forced feelings towards hit row early on like i'm getting it now so mm -hmm. maybe maybe those feelings weren't forced maybe it was just taking me a bit of a while to catch up i was a bit um i was a bit Millhouse, when are they going to get to the fireworks factory for, for Bronson Reed <laughs> attacking them and then realised at the end, oh, that's not going to happen. So then I watched it back again. Uh, I'm, Sige, I'm sure you're going to allude to this as well, but I, I'm, as a man who spits fire professionally every day, it's still difficult for me to, to, to judge this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was just, it's a re, it was just, it's something very different, uh, you know, a, a, effectively a 10 minute rap concert, felt like 10 minutes, maybe, maybe shorter than that, has to be fair, uh, a rap concert celebrating, you know, having the title and showcasing the fact that they are musicians as well as incredible professional wrestlers. What did you make of it all, Sige? I've got varying thoughts on this. Um, the key succinct takeaway is this act has got potential now. Hmm. I genuinely think with a bit more refinement and refinement is very much needed with a bit more refinement, a bit more, a few more opportunities to do this sort of thing and get confident at it. Like this has got real potential as an act where previously I just thought it was not good. Like not good at all. It went too long for this sort of thing. So do it again, 
keep it tighter. The element I found a bit alienating about the initial presentation was it felt forced. I still got some of that. Top Dollar needs to wind his neck in a bit with his, <laughs> like, various hype job qualities. So he needs to rein it in because I couldn't honestly hear too many of the, the lyrics and he didn't help in the background. However, if B-Fab can work, they've got a goddamn star on their hands in her. Like, she, her rap, it wasn't technically as good as Swerve's, but in terms of the presence and the composure and the body language, like, proper star quality. Like, genuinely, she owned that screen. She came across as someone enormously confident, composed. Like, I thought I was blown away by her performance in this. Top Dollar was trying hard, and he can actually rap. But there's a try-hard quality, which is, you know, that might be good. It'll probably work for Heat. But you can, you can rap. Swerve is technically the best of the three at that, very clearly. But he was doing it so quickly. And it's like, it's a very good technique to do that. Mm. But he was doing it so quickly that I could see him thinking about it as well. Mm. Get him doing that a few more times with a bit more practice. Yeah, off to the races with this act. But BFAB, Jesus, if she can work. Oh, yeah. Star, star. I was actually inspired by that to write my own rap for... No, I haven't. I'm joking. Oh, God, my God. Oh, God. Oh, heart attack, you tit. I'll tell you what. Do you know what it was? I had this wave of, of like, happiness afterwards. Like you say, it's, it, you know... It, and I realised why that was, because I went... Well, great. I mean, not this is sounds gonna sound negative and a real backhanded compliment, but I was like, well, that's wasted enough time that now they can't give them anywhere near enough time like to, to go too far for, for Colin O'Reilly. It's I, I'm gonna crowbar this on on today of all days. Whenever England play, and it's coming home, uh, whenever England play, I'm throughout the day, I'm incredibly nervous and just like so pessimistic and pent up. And then when it actually kicks off, I feel less like I'm stressed about the game still. But I'm like, well, whatever happens, sort of happens. And that's exactly how I felt about Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole in the main event, because I was like, well, they can't go too long on this. And it's Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly. So they're going to have to try really hard to screw it up. And obviously that didn't happen. I thought this was far and away better than what we got from, from these two before, despite the fact that this is a blood feud and they just sort of had a wrestling match. But I suppose in their heads or in, in storyline, perhaps I'm sure you'll get your thoughts on this in sexage in storyline. They've done the bit where they keep beat the crap out of each other. Now it's like, okay, we did all that. But in Adam Cole's mind, that result doesn't count because it was unsanctioned and blah, blah, blah. This is who is the best technical wrestler. And let's just, let's do that. But also with a bit of shenanigans thrown in there as well. So the main event was, as I said, Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, O'Reilly uh, dominating early on. Uh, Cole, though, fought back, hit a neck breaker on the floor, was targeting Kyle O'Reilly's neck. Um, at one point, uh, he's uh, trash talking him. But Kyle, Kyle O'Reilly fired back. Uh Back and forth stuff. And then Adam Cole, uh, yeah, just bollocks O'Reilly, just trash talks him. That causes O'Reilly to, to, to come back and talk about his wife again. It's the, it's the, it's the opposite of kryptonite, whatever that is. Uh, it's the spinach to him, if he's Popeye, let's say. Uh, O'Reilly just batters Cole in the corner, punch, punches him uh, in there. Cole gets away, uh, hits O'Reilly's knee with a super kick, smashes it into the ring post. That would factor into throughout this match. Uh, later on, Kyle O'Reilly blocks a super kick, catches Cole's leg, uh, and then hits a cradle suplex, uh, which was spectacular. Uh, Cole kicks out, though. Um, Cole then counted a heel hook, locks him in a figure four. Uh, O'Reilly rolls through and then counters, uh, gets the other one of Cole's legs and really ties him up there, uh, calling back to, of course, what happened uh, with, with Joe, Samoa Joe just allowing it to happen last week. But Cole makes it to the bottom rope. Uh, O'Reilly eventually gets out of the ring later on. Cole hits a Panama Sunrise off the apron on the floor, rolls O'Reilly back into the ring, but O'Reilly pops his foot on the rope to, uh, to stop the pinfall. Uh, Cole took a brain buster at one point. 
Cole's down. O'Reilly climbs the turnbuckle to do that amazing knee drop that he did that uh, won him the, effectively won him the unsanctioned match. Uh, goes for that, but Cole rolls out of the way. So O'Reilly misses, uh, but also further injures that injured knee. Cole hits him with the last shot. That's got to be it. No, Kyle O'Reilly kicks out at the very last second. Cole goes for a Panama Sunrise. O'Reilly blocks it, though. Hits him with a knee strike, but it's the knee that's injured that allows Cole to recover quicker. He hits O'Reilly with a Panama Sunrise. Another last shot. One, two, three. It's a classic. And Adam Cole emerges victorious. What did you think, Michael Sidgwick? Very, 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 very good. It's probably as good as it gets without being great. Mm-hmm. There was something about it that didn't make me feel like this is an absolutely blow away awesome match, but it was excellently worked and the storytelling was genuinely great. The knee work was so great because the idea is at the end of the match, Adam Cole is strategically weakening his opponent so that his knee was so battered that he can't defend against the last shot, which had a certain power to it because with the way this match was worked, And the reason why they tell these stories in wrestling, in modern wrestling so often, is because it makes for great, oh, there's a counter to that counter, to that counter, to that counter drama. Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly, and there's there's an actual huge dramatic weight to this, really heavy weight, because they do, in fact, know each other inside, outside, inside, out. So the storytelling thread was logical. It made for some really exciting, breathless action. And it all culminated in, you can't counter this because I've battered your your knee and hopefully Adam Cole cuts the promo of his life because he's one of the few in that system to be able to cut amazing promos that transcend the dialogue and really hit on that story beat because I think it's really really powerful um, maybe I'm talking myself into thinking this was great it was, it was class it was a class match um, but people sometimes get confused like when I'm expecting a four and a half and I get a four or four and a quarter Extra quarter means a lot to me. This was tremendous. I know what you're saying, actually, Cedric. And I, and I, I if anything, I think like where they verged on losing me or where, like myself personally, was it they just they can't help themselves in these NXT main events. This has been happening for a long time. Like we were all there in the building for what was probably the peak of the form with Colin Gargano's finish. And it's something that they've continued to go back to when the well feels like dry at this point and that like the finish just veered towards that slightly but it was still earned i completely agree with you just really great this was like so much so much better than the takeover match light years in front of it like knee stuff like just well worked well sold well built to key part in the finish like that's basics basics fundamentals but it gets lost so often in these matches where the wrestlers can do more than just that. And that's what we had at TakeOver. Wrestlers can do more than just that, but it went from being excess to being excessive. And everybody, and I, you know, Triple H and John Michaels got all the blame, but like we have to put on the wrestlers too. Everybody lost sight of that with the TakeOver match. And ju- like all of it was refined to a perfect point here. This was everything I expected and hoped for. Um, uh, another thing I think that stops it maybe hitting the, the heights is I just, I still maintain this, like this building has a detrimental effect yeah. on everything. Um, and I think it maybe had a detrimental effect on this. Um, I continue to see so much more in Kyle O'Reilly, the babyface main eventer, when he's working a more pro wrestling style. Sell a body part that isn't a jaw because it's hanging off. <laughs> yeah. Do you not need more Kyle O'Reilly fist fights? Turns out like the way to do it is to fold it into like a more traditional wrestling match i'm starting to see kyle o'reilly got flashes of this in the takeover main event as well the five way starting to see flashes of kyle o'reilly a babyface holding that belt versus the one they were trying to sell us on when he was fight like grappling with finn balor um so that was nice as well it just he was out for and out thought by his ex stable leader on like in very very sort of legitimate um, in a very legitimate presentation of what Adam Cole does, what informs Adam Cole's arrogance needs to show itself every now and then. And we got that here. It, tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. Like, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt if they want to give us a third. If they, if like O'Reilly says, like, I know you think that one, that first one didn't count, but let's have a rubber match and let's do it in front of people. SummerSlam weekend, what, like, however they do it, however they figure out like the next crowd takeover. Like, I will take one more. And I didn't imagine saying that after 40 horrible minutes over WrestleMania weekend. Have they totally dropped the cool Kyle thing? 
<laughs> drop the hat. Like he yeah. still comes in in a band t-shirt and a plaid shirt over the top, but the hat turns out to be all the difference. The hat's gone. <laughs> yeah, I think I think particularly this match. Because she'd have probably stole it. Yeah, I um, I was uh, after that first match. I was like, I, it wasn't the, to the level I was expecting, a bit uh, like Sid alluded to. But I also was like, oh, you know, maybe it wasn't as bad. You know, I think maybe people are overreacting. And then I see this match and go, oh no, yeah, it was. It was, yeah, it was really you completely misjudged that. And 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 just to reiterate the points that you two were making of like, maybe it's better that these two fight on a TV match rather than a pay per view because they go, this is the time you have to finish, so this is all the time you've got left. Uh, just. I hope, I really do hope that WWE uh, and NXT learn from that and say, look, uh, regardless of, you know, what certain people higher up may well think, longer doesn't always mean better because this was a really great end to a great, great American bash. Let us know your thoughts uh, on everything we've discussed on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Later on today, our preview of AEW Dynamite Road Rage. Oh, we are spoiled this week, aren't we? So do join us for that one. For now, this has been the NXT Great American Bash Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.